internet, I shouldn't be watching this movie. It has whores and stuff. Good Matt, 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 don't say and stuff. I shouldn't be watching this movie. It has whores. That's better. And Thank this you. is the only podcast about movies. My name is Matthew Kroll. And my name is Shahir Dowd. And today we will be reviewing the film The Nice Guys. It's kind of a description of you and me, right? We're, we're nice guys. It's a description of half of this room, <laughs> and I'll let the listeners decide who come is on. the nice guy. Well, there can be more than one nice guy. Well, it is called the nice guys. It yeah, is plural. Come on, just, let's relax. Um, <laughs> hi, everybody. Thank you so much for bearing with us. We we Our, our, our Civil War episode uh, was so huge, we had to take a couple extra days off. Uh, and uh, But we're back on schedule. We're back on track. I'm psyched to be talking about this movie. Um, actually, well, in, in light of a couple different things, uh, which I'll get into, but Shahir, for people that haven't listened to us before, and why would you have not at this point? Because we're the only podcast about movies. If you find another one, post, post it in our (laughs) iTunes reviews. You can rate us (laughs) one or five stars, but post another movie. I'd like to learn about some films is what I'm saying. And if you haven't guessed what happened was Matt Kroll and I were sitting around one day deciding you know, try, watching a movie, and we decided, hey, nobody has actually made a podcast about movies. No one talks about I mean, it. We literally Googled or AltaVisted or whatever for a second and found nothing. So we decided to make a podcast. That's right. Wait, you, own- you, you looked for things? I was playing Snake on my old flip phone. Uh, I, I didn't even bother looking. No, I don't know. Hey, Matt, do you know one thing as well? What? One special little uh, tidbit? What's a tidbit? I think today is our one year anniversary. No! It's our one year anniversary, It buddy. is not. What'd you get me? I had nothing. Oh. <laughs> Well, that, that, you see how quickly the special flew out of the room? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy, though. Yeah, one year. We've been doing this for one year. Our first episode was Mad Max Fury Road. And it was literally, we we were watching that movie, and we said, we should do a podcast about this movie. Right, and it didn't. we didn't have a name for this podcast. <laughs> we, when we started this, we didn't have a name or anything, and I just kept joking about how it was the only podcast about Mad Max. And, and then it just sort and of... And that's what it became. And here we are. One year closer to the fucking grave. So if you are just tuning in, we like to take one hour to talk about a movie that's come out in the previous week. This week it'll be The Nice Guys. Um, and uh, and really get into it. If you have listened, you've probably uh, ascertained our two different personalities. One is to say, Matt is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, slightly more on the action film kind of side of things. You like to see things in a movie theater, blockbuster, popcorn. That's your jam, right? I mean, sure. <laughs> I'm also not a Neanderthal. Well, that's to be that's to be determined. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm of the slightly more snobby variety who likes to drag Matt along to art house movies like uh, A Pigeon Sat on a Branch Reflecting Existence and other long uh, titles that have more than one syllable. Sure, because um, you can't just call a movie The Nice Guys and have it work. <laughs> Um, and as I say, we broadcast, uh, or we release our episodes, uh, on a Monday and, uh, you can always email us in if you have something to say about what we've said at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com, hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod or catch us on Facebook where we occasionally, occasionally post articles where we try to elongate our, our ongoing fights with each other. Well, actually that's, <laughs> let's, that's a beautiful segue because you posted an article on our Facebook page. Uh, dear listeners, if you haven't looked at this, please check it out. And I forget what it was actually called but it was bitching and moaning about how marvel movies have taken away the 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 prestige of of fucking movie stars and now we're obsessed with franchises as opposed to people 
That well, uh, pissed me <laughs> off. I don't think the voice uh, the voice it work was, is is correct. Also, I read the entire article like this <laughs> because here's what pissed me off, Sheer, after I read it, yeah. and um, it was funny. The it was saying basically just that how like now we're beholden to to these characters that are owned by franchises as opposed to like oh what's the latest Brad Pitt movie or like the the movie star is slowly sort of becoming something different, and to that I say good yeah. because. Uh, it, an example of a film it used in the article was Money Monster, which I also saw. Which you saw this week. Yeah. Um, and I believe my very snooty uh, five-year-old quick snap response that I wrote back to that article basically. I'm s- reading it <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, basically. Should I read it in your voice? Sure. Read read my response Wah, in your voice. Characters are becoming more popular than actors that play them. The MCU is a current take on classic mythology, hence why it's up. Oh, my God. I can just hear you, like, angrily ah, typing. Breaking <laughs> keys. I saw Money Monster last night, and the reason that these types of star-driven films don't make money anymore Oh, and there is a reason, because while we have 13 Marvel films in the can, we've also been watching the same stars make the same type of predictable movies for the last 25 years. Films that their cast play themselves, but with very minor twists. Blah, 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 blah. I mind, liked that part. The blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, a lawyer, yeah. a cop, someone with a Boston accent. <laughs> in my mind, that feels far more old hat than Iron Man 4 ever could. Also, uh, they can't fly or shoot repulsive blasts from their hands. So there's that. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I, you know, the, the side of this article that I agree with, what well, I agree, your point of view is mm-hmm. that I don't care that movie stars are not, uh, not as important to, to sell a movie anymore. Right. I actually, I actually, you know, I think that's probably a good thing. Yeah. What I do agree with, with this article is that this, these franchises are becoming a place from where movie star is a irre- movie stars are irrelevant. Right. And in a way that's because. The films themselves are kind of irrelevant. They're just throwaway movies, and that's the problem. And 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 the and the line from the article that I really like is that where you're no longer watching a movie anymore, you're watching a 24 pack of bottled water from Costco. And I think the point there is, there's going to be another Thor film. Does there need to be another Thor film in the continuum of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I don't know, Shahir. Do you need to drink water with your analogy? Here's here's here, here's another point I want to like. So to me, the Marvel movies are becoming more and more like a TV show, right? A long extended TV show. An excellent television program. Here's the thing: when something bad happened in Breaking Bad, you felt the repercussions of that event in the immediacy of the next episode. Sure. I don't feel any repercussions from going from one film to the next. Well, I don't feel like there to, needs to up be up to Civil War. I don't. Feel I like, feel like Civil War was the catharsis of that. I, I, but I just feel like like Thor three. I think is as much as I'm excited to see that movie because of Taika Waititi, the director. Sure. I don't think there's going to be any repercussions from what happened in Civil War or Avengers that are really going to take shape in that movie. Right. But my point is, and sure, if that's your cup of tea, then you can drink it cold and sour. But like the, the oh, it's got to be sour now. <laughs> it's got to be sour. But but listen to me. The 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 and this is going to transition into nice guys nicely. The <laughs> the the way that you know, you were saying it's the Costco water or whatever the heck, like what this article doesn't really take into account for and what my snippet, I probably said it a little too fanboy for it to be actually taken seriously by anybody. But that's not the Marvel movies problem. That's paint by numbers movies problems. And yeah, there's some Marvel movies that aren't as good as other Marvel movies, but just like Money Monster, Money Monster, Shahir, I, I know. I, I yeah, think I, Money Monster was the wrong analogy to bring up, the wrong sure, comparison. But, but, but you know what? In, in, in a weird way, it's perfect because 
we have been watching these the same fucking shit by the same fucking people forever. And since it doesn't have a you know a shared universe and like and we're not gonna see Money Monster four, but like sequels do the same things. Some great films like Lethal Weapon, the sequels didn't do anything to like you know what I mean? Like we're talking about Shane sure, Black soon. Sure. So like I don't think this is this piece to me. I'm sorry to say this felt like someone needed to write an article like they had a (laughs) like, fuck, I got to write an article about movie. Oh, uh, okay, Marvel's popular. Let's take a contrary uh, thing. Uh, Yeah, that's it. Woo franchises. But here's here's the deal. Something like the film we're going to talk about right now. The nice guys. If they use this in that article, I would have respected the point more because it would have meant that they did a little bit more research and weren't just sort of soapboxing because this film, I, spoiler alert, really enjoyed. Right. And it's something that when I was walking out of the theater with my girlfriend, she's like, it's amazing this movie got made. Because right. if you're like, oh, it's a 1970s detective story featuring two, you know, misanthropic sort of uh, a detective and a, and a hitman type dude. And you're like, okay, like we've seen that a trillion times. Like this plot, We've seen a trillion times and even down to like the old pulp movies and things like that about uh, a mystery about someone's murdered and you have to figure out why and it unravels into something much, much larger. And it comes from the guy who 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 kind of wrote the 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 rule book on that genre of films back in the 80s and 90s, you know, films like Lethal Weapon, yeah. The Last Shane Boy Scout. Yeah, Shane Black. But in this, he makes it feel fresh again to me. Eh, we'll get I, into th- that. I know, which is fine. But like that. We'll get into that. That. To me is like, oh, you're taking a similar trope and and shellacking it with enough spice and different stuff for me. And now I'm enjoying the same meal again, but I'm not complaining about it. (laughs) And I'm not being a little bitch when (laughs) shit comes up like that. Listen, everyone, you can follow our ongoing uh, Facebook battle on our our Facebook page. The only podcast about movies. But that's not why we're here. No. We are here to talk about the nice guys. And Matt, you just walked out of this movie. Literally like an hour ago. An hour ago. So I mean, I, when it was done, I didn't walk out of the movie. Oh. I, I, the movie finished and I left the theater. Okay. Well, so tell tell us what the what the nice guys is about. What is uh, what? Are, who are these nice guys? Are they really nice? What are they? What's the uh, what's the game here? So uh, the nice guys uh, are basically Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. Um, and uh, Ryan Gosling is a pretty shitty but kind of accidentally sometimes good uh, private investigator uh, who has a 13-year-old daughter named Holly, if I remember correctly. And they uh, are sort of just like he's basically taking like small-time uh, jobs, kind of scamming people out of their money, but only when they're really dumb or sometimes elderly. <laughs> um and oh, you're not saying those two things are analogous, are you? No, no. I'm just saying that this happened to be the, the one of the, the the situation they set up uh, Ryan Gosling's character to be kind of a scumbag mm-hmm. is he the, a an elderly woman in a retirement community uh, hires him to find her husband. Uh, and it turns out that you see right on the shelf, he's actually dead and cremated in an urn. And he's, she's like, he's like, when's the last time you saw him? And she goes, oh, at the funeral. <laughs> so it's like, you know, um, and then Russell Crowe is sort of like a. A uh, hitman who gained a, not a hitman, but like a uh, an enforcer, but for people. Like you could hire him to like stop people from doing awful things. He kind of was like what Ryan Reynolds' character in Deadpool was before the whole Deadpool nonsense. Like, got to bring it back to a to a to a superhero. Why not? So, but and and they both did a a really good job in this movie. Uh, and you know they they both kind of cross paths with one another. There's uh someone got murdered. Uh, it's super, uh, without getting into spoilery stuff, I won't say that, but their paths cross 
First, uh, you know, like any sort of buddy comedy action team up, they have their differences. I believe Russell Crowe, even in the trailer, you see this. Uh, he breaks uh, Ryan Gosling's arm. Yeah. Uh, and but eventually they team up to try to figure out what the hell's going on in 1970s Los Angeles. Yeah. There's, uh, so the film opens with a uh, uh, a porn star who has. Uh, died in an apparent roadside accident uh, in a kind in, in quite a sort of ingenious little uh, moment uh, where uh, <laughs> a young boy finds his dad's porno stack and, uh, and kid opens, from Iron Man three by the way oh was it oh, yeah. there you go and uh, picks up a porno mag featuring a, a porn star named uh, Misty Mountains only to find Misty Mountains comes crashing through his house and dies in the almost exact same pose that she's in the magazine. It's a, it's a, it's a nice little moment. To, I to start. liked it a lot, but I liked it when it, I, I will say this, this is something I didn't like about the movie. Well, I know uh, <laughs> that scene, all very cool and, and stylized or whatever, but it, it, it did like, but I feel like it does what a lot of the clever pulpy things do. It did it. She died right in the same pose. Her boobs are out. It's yeah. like, it's, it was almost too on the top, and she says a line, something along the lines of like, "How do you like my car, big boy?" How do you like my car, big boy? Yeah, and like instantly, I was like, "This is too perfectly said." Like it just, yeah. I was like, "Ah!" But at the end of the film, it does pay off. You learn some things; things make sense. But that was the one moment, and it, it sucks. I sat down, and I was this scene plays out in the first ten minutes, and you're like, "Am I gonna like this?" Yeah, like uh, it. And I will say I did. I mean, eventually I did. I got well, over okay, it. Okay, well, tell, look, look, uh, give us your your overall opinion and why. Yeah, I, I think it's just it's a fun film. Uh, it's one that the trailers sold me on initially. Right. I don't um, watch the trailers though. It's kind of um, it, the trailers painted as m- uh, they painted more of a comedy, but this is a little bit more not serious, but more action sort of oriented. But it's perfectly Lethal Weapon. It's perfectly you know Shane Black. It's not. It's not uh it's not anything I I was like super shocked and awed about. It was just like a really good time. And it does something that I think movies that are trying to spice up the action genre does that needs to do and it sort of takes its characters and they're competent enough but they're not like supermen mm-hmm. and they bumble their way through stuff and they use their weaknesses as strengths on occasion and they eventually sort of save the day but not really. And it's just it was just a really fun time at the movies. Am I going to, other than this, you know, podcast, am I going to deeply consider the plot and the ramifications of things? No, but I'm going to enjoy myself. And it was new characters that I hadn't seen before. And I, and I, I don't know, I, I really enjoyed my time there. Okay. All right. I mean, I'm going to, yeah, I, I can certainly see the, uh, the amount of fun that could be had with this movie. If the jokes land for you. And if you like fun, if that's sort of your thing. <laughs> Well, let's talk about that because I, I always, you know, like when you say that about me, do I Does like- Does it hurt your feelings? Well, it kind because of- Because if it hurt your feelings, that would mean that you have some sort of empathy and remorse and maybe you do feel human emotions. <laughs> no, I definitely do not feel human emotions. I am a borderline <laughs> sociopath. Um, but, but the, you know, because one of my, you know, whenever I think about what is a fun movie to me, mm-hmm. the, the, the immediate movie that I always go to without fail is The Big Lebowski. I don't think it's. I can watch that movie at the drop of a hat anytime. Sure, sure. I think that movie is a barrel of laughs every moment I watch it, and I think that movie is smart as well. Yeah, uh, which is which is which I think is a remarkable thing. And I and the reason I bring that film up is because I feel the nice guys is trying to play in that same ballpark, which is that it's trying to do a neo noir, uh, modern LA noir, yes. with a in comedy. Um, 
kind of taking the 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 style of like the best noir films, something like The Asphalt Jungle, um, The Maltese Falcon, Chinatown. Even. Yeah, I think this is this movie is really playing in Chinatown. Mm-hmm. Um, and and inject and and have fun with that genre by injecting two likable buffoons, uh, you know, as as characters. That said, I I found this movie to be. While while plenty of laughs to be had, I found it more missed than hit. Mm. Um, I, I found a lot of jokes didn't quite land for me, even though I could kind of see the cleverness of the writing. You know, like the uh, the the wry moments when Russell Crowe would look to to Ryan Gosling and say, "Did you fall? Did you fall? You know, you didn't fall out the window, did you? You know, those kinds of things were like, okay, it's funny, I get it, but it's uh, it didn't really work for me. Um, and and it was interesting because I did I was enjoying the charm of this film. Um, I like seeing Ryan Gosling play an idiot. You know, he's often kind of the serious, serious actor. He's way better when he when he steps out of that zone. Yeah, when he's when he's being funny, and I think he's very funny. The the thing that happened though was this film kind of got derailed for me in one scene, um, and that was the party scene uh, where a shit ton of things happen that seem to happen by coincidence, and it doesn't real they don't really connect, and they don't. The it doesn't even connect in a sort of like abstract humor kind of way in the way that that funny the the opening scene with the porn star dying in the same pose that the kid is looking at you know how that's kind of got this sort of okay it's out it's not quite real it's out of this world and it doesn't quite make right. sense but it's kind of elegantly funny as a as a set piece the party sequence for me uh, which uh, we'll get we'll into get into, spo- yeah, yeah. Yeah, into spoilers in a second really kind of derailed my enjoyment of the film, even though it has some good moments mm-hmm. in it. Um, and I thought overall the film had a lot of pleasurable moments in it, but I just walked out feeling a little underwhelmed, mm-hmm. a little bit like, well, you know, that, like you said, it, w- it was a mildly enjoyable time at the movie, but it didn't really rock my world in any way. Well, I said it was a good time at the movies, but yeah. I wouldn't think about it, but that's okay. Yeah. So, so you know, like, uh, you know, if we, before we get into spoilers, if I was to recommend, look, I think it's a good rental. I think it's a it's a fun. If it ends up on Netflix, it's a fun movie to put on on a Friday night. Um, I think the crowd that I was with enjoyed it. Um, but but is there more to this than that? In the way that the big there's more to the Big Lebowski than than um, than the initial viewing offers. I don't think so, and I'm I, I don't think I'm going to watch this movie again. I don't think this works in the same sort of headspace that Big Lebowski does. That point I will agree with. Um, it also did you did you catch Inherent Vice as well this year? Uh, no, uh, last year. No, you know. So P.T. Anderson tried to basically do almost the same thing, but he leans slightly m- even further into the abstract, um, you know, uh, than than Shane Black does, and and that film fell flat to me as well. Right. I I don't think, but I think I think the difference, and I think we come back to this time and time again, my old chum, is that, yeah, it doesn't have the brains that, like, say, the Big Lebowski has under the hood, right? Uh, but who gives a fuck? Like, well, well, I don't there, need I, it. I don't need it to like, I lived in the moment of it and enjoyed that moment. And to me, that is a successful film. Here's the difference is I think the big Lebowski is a film with brains 
and is much more fun. Sure, it's, sure. It's a lot hey, more fun. Listen, to have, Big Lebowski, yeah. better movie. Doesn't take anything away from the fact that this is a really fun, good movie. Like <laughs> it just doesn't. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to build a hierarchy, yes. Big Lebowski is a better film than this, if that's what your criteria... If you don't want to see any movie that's worse than The Big Lebowski, don't see this movie. But if no, you... No, no, no. Hang on, hang on, hang on. What you're saying, that, that that's a false criteria that you're setting up here, because what I'm saying is, is, that, is that this is a film that is going to... Off, it's within that same genre, but it's just not as good. And it's, if, if it's not as good, then why bother seeing it? But you just said what I said wasn't what you were saying, but then you just said exactly what I said. Well, no, because I think what you're saying is that it doesn't matter that it's not good. No, I'm <laughs> saying it's really good and fun. But if 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 we're talking about good as a quantifiable thing, like rating scores, like one to 100, and I'm right. just going to make it up on this ramp. If Big Lebowski is, I'll just say 100 in this, right. in this hypothetical situation, yeah. and this one is... 89 or 85. That's being very generous. I don't think yeah. it is. I don't think it is. Uh, <laughs> that's just like saying that, oh, well, anything that's not 100 isn't worth your time. And I really don't think that's true. So so everything is worth your time? Above a certain number. And this one, and this <laughs> so one so clears it. a quantifiable it. number that is if, above if, your time. If, if we were doing a range like this, absolutely. No. And if I wanted to build this sort of level, yeah. if I said like maybe like 50, right? If we're going one to 100, right. 50 and above is worth my time. Because I think there's something to be found in things like that, that either try something really hard, fail, you know, do something different or is sort of, you know, status quo with a couple little sort of nuggets of, sure. of new stuff and whatnot. And this one even is above that for me. Like, I don't think this was, this movie's not going to change anyone's fucking life, <laughs> but movies don't have to. Like, that's the, that's the thing. I, I, and we've gone back and forth in this a ton. Yeah. It just, you can have all of them. You can have all of them. Absolutely. I'm just saying, I, my point here is, is that if you have a choice, for example, because time is limited, between, say, a movie like watch, if, if you have a choice between paying $14 and going to the movies right. or watching The Big Lebowski on a rerun, I'd pick The Big Lebowski. I would not. Really? If, uh, for, versus this new this experience that I had for a new movie? Right. Then so no. you're telling people, like, if you if someone's coming to you, which is sure. what my, someone might be coming to us asking us. Who because, would ever ask us that? Because they're listening to the only podcast about movies. Oh, touche. If, if, if they're t asking you, should I spend $15 on this movie or watch The Big Lebowski on a rerun? I would, you, I would say go see this movie. You would say yeah. this. And, I, and here's the difference. I would say don't. Yeah. I would say watch the big So do with that what you will. Mom and dad are fighting and you'll never know the truth. <laughs> um, let's, let's go into spoiler town. Uh, if you're cool with that, you're good with that? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Okay. So spoiler town. Welcome. We need to come up with a spoiler theme. Spoiler town. Spoiler town. Spoiler town. Spoiler town. Spoiler town. Now that could either be the point where we start talking about, you know, things that happen in movies and ruining the plot for some people or the point where people switch off, and go, what the fuck is happening? I was going to say a DIY jingle for a actual spoilers for cars store. Spoilers for car. Like the, oh, like the back, the back thing. Spoiler town. Spoiler town. The back of my car that is singing down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like that. So, uh, but it's not spoiler town. Hit but us up. Not. We need residuals. <laughs> um, so, Let's see. How do I start this? So Shay why don't we why don't we start with the 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 party scene? Well, okay. Do, do you think it's? The, I mean, a, a, a series of I think entertaining and funny enough events happen where 
uh, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling's character. And, you know, it's funny. There's actually kind of a third member of this comedy, Holly, 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 uh, Who uh, who was who played Holly? She was great. I thought. Uh, where'd she go? She's a young Australian actress by the name of Anger Rice. Wait, how did I bring up the the praises of an Australian actress <laughs> before you? Uh, I, I'd never. I haven't heard of her before. But uh, no, you're she's, slipping. She's you're funny. slipping. But boy, like this is one of those things when you look at her IMDb page, it'll make you feel very inadequate in your life because, because she's done like nine thousand things. And and she's like fourteen years and old. And we're here talking about what a thirteen-year-old does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, so uh, through a series of events in this film, it it comes uh, some of them violent. It comes to the fact that Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling are both sort of on the same path. Uh, Russell Crowe is attacked in his apartment uh, after doing a job looking for, oh God, what was the character's name? The girl, the um, Amelia. Amelia, thank so, you. Like, it, I, the thing I was thinking about was Amelia Earhart oh, the whole time. There you go. But, um, no, nothing. That has nothing to do with anything in the movie. With but it, that's but, a good way. Hey, you remembered it. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're looking for Amelia. Uh, Ryan Gosling was hired to look for Amelia as well, but he basically wrote it off because uh, he was, t- he was, he was. The thing was, he was told to stop looking for Amelia by Russell. Oh yeah, Crow. by Russell Crowe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was, was paid hired yep. to to stop him looking. So for Russell Crowe breaks by Amelia. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's God. It's going to be hard to talk through the beginning part of this. So basically, it that bit's convoluted and doesn't make sense at the time until the two get together and sort of match stories. It still doesn't quite make sense. I like, think I was thinking about it after the fact. I was trying to put the pieces yeah. like the ducks in a row, and you it it makes sense as much sense as any sort of uh, of these noir sort of like, yeah, if we're going to go, could this actually happen? The, the chances are incredibly slim, but it worked in the world that the movie set up. I, I would love to like paper sketch the, the actual plot down because I think this is actually where the plot may, where the thing falls down for me is I, I found the actual storyline like that, you know, the, 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 the mystery that they're trying to solve, a little, a little bit over convoluted and a little bit uninteresting. Whereas I found their rapport sure. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, and, I'll, and, I'll agree with that. Yeah, I think, um, I think, especially in the beginning, I felt like the middle of the film, which we'll sort of get to, uh, and I kind of thought it started at the party scene, but we can go back and forth. It, the the plot for me felt like okay, it's calmed down a little bit. I'm getting the the proper amount of information drip fed to me as the plot moves along. Things are clever enough happening, blah, blah, blah. And then by the end of it, when they're putting pieces together left and right, I was like, yeah, they're speeding up. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it, look, as spoilers go, this essentially this film boils, you know, like like Chinatown becomes about corruption in Chinatown and the, the water drought problem of uh, Los Angeles. Um, this film becomes about the death of the catalytic motor. Cadillac converter. Yeah, yeah Cadillac converter. Was it Cadillac or catalytic converter? I thought it was the catalytic. Catalytic. Well, it was yeah. a catalytic converter. Yes. Yeah. Basically, the death of the electric car was what this film was about, and 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 how uh, corruption at a higher level basically caused the death of the electric car through individual stakes, and that's the that's the the ballpark of the film. Of the minor film noir, you know, like individual characters fighting against the system. Sure. And if and, we wanted to backtrack it, so um, who's the person who plays the senator, the woman there? I can never uh, remember. The, she works in the Department of Justice. A nice little throwback to L.A. Confidential with Russell Crowe and Kim Basinger. Right. Playing, uh, playing opposite each other. Right. Again. So Kim Basinger is uh, the head of the Department of Justice and... Yeah. Uh, she has a daughter who is an activist for clean air in... 
in in Los Angeles because yeah. there's smog alerts and you know all that yeah. stuff back then. It was even much much worse. And, and she has the and the daughter has the strangest plan. The daughter to, has the dumbest plan yeah. in the world to appear in a art film, aka a porno, oh. with her boyfriend, and they're going to intersplice it into a film at the uh, auto show, show, like at a big auto show. And it's weird because the idea there is that the, the well, this part I kind of. Like there are elements, again, with this whole film, there are elements that I kind of like, Okay, you know, like that, that's kind of a clever idea to like, it, you know, like there's been some comparisons to this film to Boogie Nights and I don't, I don't agree with those yeah, comparisons at, at, at all. Uh, completely different genre of film. But, but the, the idea here is that Amelia with her boyfriend makes a art porno film and the hook is, is that the story in said porno film is actually true. And 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 is what is gonna gonna get the story of the catalytic converter out there? Like it has facts in it, like yeah. in the in the sub in the actual story of the thing. It's kind of nuts. But it's you know, like as I think one character says, wait, you're telling me the the your the whole point of your porno film is to tell a story. Nobody watches it's the a plot. porno. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nobody watches the porno film for the plot, which is kind of funny and and telling for the entire film because a lot of people's best laid plans in this movie go fucking tits up. And it may be, maybe there's a real meta kind of uh, commentary there, which is that the plot of this film has an interesting point about electric cars and the death of the electric cars, just as water, you know, like the water yeah. story in Chinatown. But nobody watches it for that. But it's sure, there. sure. And maybe maybe there's a meta level to this that could that you could bring some enjoyment to. Yeah. yeah. Um. But <laughs> we're but we're both kind of unconvinced. <laughs> I yeah. I mean, look, if if someone had a case, you can write us in and tell us exactly what you think and do your own detective work to figure that out. Um. And, I, and if you brought me that information, I would be like, yeah, that makes sense. I'm not too surprised. But it's also not. And even, you know, I'll even give you this year to your point. This movie is not on that big Lebowski level where uh, after I get out of the theater, after we're done talking about it, I'm not going to be like, I want to figure this out. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> I'm only interested if someone else does the work. For me. Right, right. <laughs> you know, so um, uh, so they get a tip. How does this work? They get a tip. That they uh, that that um, Amelia is going to be at this big uh, groovy well, party. They know that the that Amelia was in a film with uh, Sam Sapatak, I think his name is, or something like that. The porno producer. Yeah, yeah. And so they go up to his house um, to, uh, to to find to, her. To find well to find out information about her, and then yeah, this is where for me there are things that happen at this party that again are like that opening scene, but but start just playing in a way that doesn't seem elegant or fun. They just kind of seem, it feels like we're just throwing things at the wall at this point. I just, I don't think so. Like what? Like what? Like the blue man appearing, like falling off the, okay. So, okay. So the blue man appearing is one of the later events, but, um, and the death of the blue man. So let's, let's backtrack. Sorry. This movie has a lot of shit going on. Okay, in it, so it's hard to, one thing that, for example, happens is Ryan Gosling gets drunk for, or he has his Well, drinks. he's an alcoholic. He's an alcoholic, but I, I'm implied that he gets his drink spiked or something like that. Oh, I never got that. I never got that analogy. I just thought he was drinking because it was free. Right. And then he falls off a balcony for no apparent reason, only to stumble upon the body of a of the person that they're trying to find. Uh, which and for some reason they decide suddenly that they have to dump the body for no apparent reason. It was because the girl who they weren't sure if it was Amelia or not saw him and he yelled, "I'm looking for my gun." That's no reason to to dump a body. There's no way that your your bullet is going to be in that body. Like they didn't kill this dude, but suddenly they're acting like they did. Uh, I I I I don't know. I think it's. <laughs> I think it's fine. It's it's not a huge plot point, and it didn't it didn't break anything my, for my, me. The problem that that broke for me is that these guys were suddenly being dumb guys. 
Like they were, they were suddenly like idiots, you know, bumbling around. Whereas, whereas it previously demonstrated that they had some, both some respective smarts in this world. And I was like, really, you guys going to, you know, like he literally just stumbled on this body. Okay, and then he I, stumbled on Amelia seeing him, and and you know, and just things like that started adding up on top of each other. That that just kind of, I wasn't in the movie anymore. I don't have a problem with him getting drunk and sort of he, the reason he falls off the balcony is he's flirting with this girl in an Indian costume and he says he's a cowboy and he's like I'm really good at actor like I can get shot and she's like pretends to shoot him and he does a couple things and he does like a tumble mm. uh, off of the balcony he doesn't realize it's the second floor or whatever and then he rolls down a hill and that's where he finds the body right. is it convenient yes do I have a problem with that no now that you're talking about the other thing though about how like I could mm. see if they were both drunk yeah. oh god we gotta hide this body or whatever but, but Russell Crowe's not drunk yeah Russell Crowe doesn't drink uh until the very end of the movie suddenly uh, they're implicating themselves in a murder right. for no reason. For a joke. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a point where the joke was, wouldn't it be funny if a body hit some like family party in the Hollywood Hills? Off and it has no consequence whatsoever. And no, no, it's no. Not, yeah. You're right. No, 100%. That, yeah, if you want to break it down and, and break, that is a logic-breaking moment of the film, and I could see where it would take someone out of it. I was already kind of along, and I guess that just depends on your level of involvement or what you're thinking about at the time. I just was laughing at that point. Like, right. Uh, See, and I, I personally didn't find any of that particularly clever funny either. You know, like, I just find it kind of like, Well, it's oh. slapstick funny. It's not clever funny. But it, it wasn't even slapstick funny to me. It was to me. I don't right. know. Yeah. And so, you know, subjective, all that jazz. Yeah. But um, the blue man that you referenced before, so let's backtrack a little bit. Uh, all right. As I like to call him, Blue Joker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Blue Joker turns up. So, um... After is before the party. Let's follow my timeline before the party. But after Russell Crowe breaks Ryan Gosling's hand and tells him to or arm and tells him to not uh, keep looking for Amelia. Yeah, um, I guess these hitmen uh, are doing sort of a cleanup of all the people around Amelia's life. Yeah. And go into his apartment and try to kill him. And uh, they're looking. They're like there's a two guys. Yeah. Black dude and a white dude. And the white dude is like snooping around and they find a bag and um, Russell Crowe's like, you shouldn't open that. I'm holding it for a friend. And you think it's like evidence or something, whatever. But it's actually just one of those like money bags that like when you open it the, the to prevent theft, the blue dye just splats you in the face. Yeah. So he's known as sort of the blue. Jashir calls him the blue man. And he's, he's actually referenced in the credits as blue face. Is he? Yeah. There's just this hit man now with just this blue ink on his face because that stuff doesn't come off. So yeah. uh he ends up showing up at the party eventually, along with the other dude. Uh, and Russell Crowe gets into a fight with him on the balcony. And I thought that scene that I love Shane Black does some really clever, small action scenes. You know, what's weird about those action scenes, though, because I know I know exactly the one you're talking about is there was a thing for me that's that it was just another element that took me out of the movie mm-hmm. is inconsequential bystander death. I BD. If I give yeah. inconsequential yeah. bystander did like I, three or four people got plugged. Yeah, and it was it was like, and it's not in that way. Like in a in a in an action movie, like a Marvel movie or something like that, you kind of see people. You kind of get if you stop and think about it, you know people are dying, but they don't like do a close up of it, right? You know because they don't want to like detract from the action. Sure, but in this film, they kind of like they will do a, like a close up of someone getting shot. And then they just move on. And I'm like, wait a minute. A dude just got straight up murked right in the right I mean, front of granted, everyone. that dude was wearing stilts in a giant tree costume. He, did, he looked like the ends from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But he wasn't, he or she wasn't the first one. No, there was another person. In the blue face, when the blue face and the other person come, come to Russell Crowe's house, 
they like take a shot at, at Russell, Russell Crowe. Crow, and it and goes they, across the street and hits a woman. The, yeah, and, across, it, and I was like, and they and they do, and the thing is, is that like that's kind of interesting, but they do like a close up of it. So well, that wasn't like, a close up. That you just saw her go down. That yeah, one but it's, was, it's, but I get what you're saying. It's specifically in the movie. Right, like it's not like oh yeah, it's like we want they want you to pay attention. Of to course, of course. And then it's like, but it has of no consequence to the film whatsoever. And yeah. it was like it's one of those strange things where I was like, huh, what are we doing here? Why are we why are we doing this? Like, there's no point at which where they're talking about how people are dying because of their actions. It's just kind of like people are dying, yeah. and it's like oh look, hey, people die, Shahir. People die. People die in this fun little 1970s you know film. I mean, it gets pretty violent at certain points. It yeah. starts with a porn star's death that's pretty, go not gory, but bloody. Her death also makes, I mean, I guess you could They're cleaning. The thing is that the hitmen are going around cleaning up all of the loose ends for the person. And and, and I think and near the end, you find out that Kim Basinger is like, you know, spoiler she's alert, the, she's, she's behind it yeah, and whatever. And she's not necessarily trying to kill her daughter, but eventually she just <laughs> says, fuck it. And she's going to do it because she's, she's paid off by the big, big uh, gas or big motor or big, whatever. Big electric, a uh, big, big gas company. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So it was just, it's, it's like the compounding of things like that, that just take my, that just pull me out of the film. Uh, in a way that kind of that that you know makes it underwhelming for me. But the things that pull me back in, if I'm going to swing back to a positive, is the relationship and sort of the the way that Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe sort of and the daughter interact with each other. It's but it's, then even then there are weird moments. Like in the party, there's another weird moment where like so Holly um, Ryan Gosling's daughter daughter like hitches into the party, sure, which is like by all means the party of a porn pornographer. Yep. And, and, you know, Russell Crowe, um, uh, that Ryan was the quote that we did in the beginning. Yeah. Ryan Gosling, like puts her in a cab, takes her back, you know, like says, get, get out, get out of here. And she turns up back at the party and Russell and, and she, she ends up in a room watching porn with like an older porn, with an older porn star. And Russell Crowe comes in and, say, and like beats the shit out of some old dude, uh, some young guy say, you know, saying you shouldn't be showing this girl, you know, this girl, this, this porn. And then another woman says, no, no, I put it on. And Russell Crowe's like, okay, you shouldn't be watching this. Go home. And just walks out the door. And I'm like, what is happening here? There's a lot of child <laughs> neglect, I guess I'll say. But also, these characters are not painted as the, as any sense of responsible. Like, No, they're not responsible. But you do get the sense that Russell Crowe has, has a paternal affection for this girl. You know, like he... he, eh, he I think Russell Crowe, if you want to get down to the degree, I don't think he has a real paternal thing for, for Ryan Gosling's daughter. <laughs> I think it's more of a, his sort of redemption arc is how he, there's a side, 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 side story <laughs> where about a year before all the events of this movie, he normally, he just does violence for money and he'll, <laughs> you know, save people, but they have to pay him. There's even a section for the first thing you see him beat up somebody. He goes to the girl who hired him and she's, he's like, you're $7 short. Right. Like... That's nuts. Yeah. So uh, he, at one point in a diner, a guy came in with a shotgun and was trying to rob it, and he took a bullet and disarmed the guy for free. And he even says at one point, while he's trying to actually bond with Ryan Gosling, uh, he's like, that was the, the one of the only days I felt like all right with myself or something along those lines. And then Ryan Gosling is drunk asleep. But right. uh, I think Holly represents for him, and especially as a whole thing about killing uh, sort of throughout. Yeah, and he, he, he has to like fake that he, that he killed someone, which is again, I think bleeding into this paternal. Sure. No, but I don't think it's, I think it's, he's not up. It's not a paternal thing. I think it's almost like she's 
she's becoming his conscience in a weird way. I don't think it's paternal because I think if it was paternal, mm. he would have taken her out of the porn room. I, I think he, but like he's he realizes he realizes through the story that he tells Ryan Gosling that yeah. at one point when he does good things, he feels better. I mean, that's right. just the truth of it. Right. And now here's a little girl who's constantly telling him to be like, are you a bad, are you, are you a bad man? Like you need to not, you know, whatever, da, da, da. Yeah. I think throughout it. And then he, but he, he but it, but makes it the make, proper does choice. Does it make sense that, that he would like beat up this first dude for showing her the film. And then when he realizes it's someone else for the character, yes, because he's <laughs> prone it? to yes, because he's prone to violence. If yeah. he he he's that's the interesting. If, if a guy showed a little girl a porn film, especially he he beat up a dude for a young underage girl in the previous yeah, thing. Yeah, that's his whole but then, but that's the thing. Like now, look now it's a pretty porn star showing her a thing, and then it's that's not paternal anymore to me. I'm not saying this is a logical thing, but it makes sense for the character. I don't think I don't think because I don't think he thinks of her as a right look. And Ryan Gosling's not a good father. He's getting no, drunk no. at a porno party. Although he didn't know she came back, he and put he her tried in a cab. he put her in a cab and, and told sure. her to get out of there. And 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 Russell Crowe saw that whole exchange happen. Yeah, but he doesn't seem to like. Well, he tells her to go home again. It's not his kid. Like it's 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 not. I think you're being normal, very, for, very forgiving of. I think a not not it's not necessarily a logical incoherence there, but it is kind of like. I feel like we need to keep this girl at the party and you have these two characters run into each other and the, it seems like Russell Crowe's character would get her out of the party, but he doesn't. And it, it's just, it's just, wait, but doesn't he, now I'm confused. No, he just leaves her there. He leaves and, her there. Hold on. And then they go dump the body. And, then and they she come. gets, and, she, and, and consequentially, she gets kidnapped because he leaves her there. But why does that older porn Why does star. he leave? Why does she leave the party? She runs no, into. No, she runs into Blue Man because the older porn star takes, says, oh, you're the girl that was looking for Amelia. And she takes her to Blue Man. This girl was looking for Amelia. And then he's, she's put into a cab and then right. puts her life in mortal danger. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's. But that's, I get it. Like we need to put her in mortal danger to get the movie going around. But sure. it, but it, it happens in a really I'm fine with it. Unconvincing way. Unconventional way. Unconvincing. No, nah, you're saying the word wrong. <laughs> really? Uh, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not saying it in your accent. <laughs> yeah. Unconventional. Unconventional. <laughs> Look I, again. If you have problems with these sort of things, I can understand them. Yeah. I just didn't. Again, this movie had set up a world that was in a weird way for all the violence in this film. And, and maybe this is why people getting plugged. didn't sort of take me out of it either. It's too wacky to be actually dangerous. Right. And I didn't find it wacky enough gotcha. for that stuff to like land in a way that was, interesting. I felt like it was wacky enough. And I did actually like at one point, uh, Ryan Gosling keeps fucking up throughout this movie and he comes up with certain things sometimes, but most times it's like, he thinks he gets a really good idea and funny and then it it's not right. And then he bumbles into the answer, like sort of as the clues go. Yeah. But like by the end of the film, he's gotten away with not dying so much. He's yeah. actually like, he, what does he say? He says something along I the line. I think I'm invincible. I think I'm invincible. I don't think I can die. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's, see, and, like now that is one of those ones that kind of lands for me. I kind of liked it. Right. But yeah. I, I, I think it's funny that even the, in the meta of the movie, it's admitting it's yeah. admitting like this is a wacky world. Th yeah. This is not real life. Yeah, I just, I just personally, I guess the thing, yeah, the difference is, I don't think the level of comedy kind of pays off that the narrative inconsistencies in a wacky way. Like it's not like the um, the uh, is it the Zucker brothers that made um, uh, Flying High and uh, Airport and uh, Hot Shots Part Deux. Okay. 
You know, like it's not that kind of like crazy, crazy like meta comedy. No, and, and but, know, it's, but but then it has like these sort of like weird, weird. It rides a good line for me, at least for me. I, I and again, it's 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 part comedy, part chemistry between our two main characters, really three main characters that like keeps it interesting for me. And again, I, I've you know I've said this a bunch. I'm a character guy. Yeah. Your story can be garbage, but if your characters <laughs> are, and I'm not saying the story is garbage. I'm not saying it's great either. It's yeah. an okay story to get me through watching characters I like have an adventure. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, and you know what? <laughs> the the best analogy I could think of, like thinking when I thought about this film, was do you remember? Do you watch American Dad? No. I mean, I've seen an episode. You've seen an episode here and there. there there's this running gag that happens later on in American Dad where they. Where uh, Roger the alien and the son, whose name I completely forget, sure. create this own, their own sitcom, and they call it Wheels in the League Man, which is one guy is handicapped and one, <laughs> and, and they're two private detectives that go on solving this, you know, like right. unsolving mysteries. And I feel like the nice guys is an extended episode of Wheels in the League Man, which is that it's a kind of silly idea for a movie put together. Now, now here's the thing, I I like. Lethal Weapon, The Last Boy Scout, a lot of the movies Shane Black had a hand in making. Mm -hmm. I haven't watched Last Action Hero. He wrote that too. The Last Action Hero, really, the one with uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm -hmm. I freaking love that movie. I think that movie is amazing. It's funny. I didn't like it when I was a kid. I don't know why. And I rewatched it as an adult. I was like, this is fucking great. It's amazing movie. It's an incredible. uh, I you know like it's weird because that movie got panned Mm -hmm. so much, but it's so freaking good. It is really good. That's a movie that got better with age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, no. and so I feel like this was. A fun idea for a movie where they put, you know, and, and, oh, sorry, I was talking about how, you know, Shane Black's um, past history. I'm I'm worried now if I go back and watch those movies. Like, I haven't seen Last uh, Boy Scout in a long time, mm-hmm. but I watched that a lot when I was younger. Um, I'm worried now if I go back and watch that, whether any of it will make sense to me or whether it, whether it won't hold up at all. And same with The Lethal Weapons. I loved The Lethal Weapons. And I loved The Lethal Weapons because I felt like the relationship between Miggs and Murtaugh was real and genuine and earned. I'm not, I I think these are two interesting characters. I don't, I don't find their coming together necessarily that convincing. I do. I find it convincing. Again, you're going to hear me a lot of say, I find it convincing enough, but here's the difference. Like, uh, Riggs and Murtaugh. Yeah. Uh, right. Is that? Yeah. 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 Danny Glover and and, uh, Mel Gibson. Yeah. Like, if you go back and watch the first Lethal... See, you're you're remembering, and I've done this too, you're remembering four Lethal Weapons worth of friendship, or yeah, however and, many and you've Lethal seen. Lethal Weapon 2 is definitely my favorite. Right. The I first Lethal Weapon, is which, I've, which I've watched it's, recently, and I love it, yeah. but it's the same sort of level of friend... It, it like, the, they're the, building they're, the friendship. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, to be honest, they, they you know the end of this movie happens, and like they uh, and they, they set up their they set up their own agency called wheels the nice and the guys. Bands. Yeah, they're, right. they're the nice guys and oh, the nice guys. Yeah. yeah, and I, I mean, I would see a sequel. I, I like them. I'm hoping, and it could I, now that they've sort of set it up, they could they could have a lot of fun. Now, granted, it's a little bit weaker as far as opposites attract best friends thing because they're both darker characters. Where Murtaugh was a family man, yeah, and Mel Gibson. Was a fucking loose suicidal cannon, hole. suicidal yeah. cut. Like, yeah. it makes I, I, that dynamic to me. The lethal weapon dynamic is a more interesting dynamic. But this, these two guys, I liked a lot, and I think I'd like to see more adventures of them in the late seventies. <laughs> right. I, I, I wonder if I'd be interested in seeing another movie. I guess I potentially could be if kind of if if now that we've set it up. 
It's kind of that franchise building thing, though, which is that like. And I don't think he did this one to set up a franchise. I don't. The, I don't think so. That's it. He is the guy who wrote Lethal Weapon, which set up a pretty big franchise. But that's again, it. I don't know if Lethal Weapon was meant to set up a franchise. franchise. Like, yeah, who knows? Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know necessarily if I would see it. I do. You know, like I think. Uh, I think we've we've both kind of given and taken a little from each other in this in this particular review. Sure. Which is that I think I've can I've. I've pointed out some things that highlight why this film didn't work for me. Right. Um, and I think you've pointed out the, the chemistry being strong enough to, to work for this, for you to, to cover up the problems that I pointed out. Right. Um, would I see another one? Would I see another one of these? I don't, I, know. I don't know. I don't, I would again, here's, <laughs> but here's that with the, you know, I'm going to fucking I, I, middle ground I maybe, all this stuff. I might, I might see another but one. That's the thing. But I, I wouldn't watch this one again. I love Shane Black. Yeah. Uh, I love these characters. I would definitely see another one. Now, am I going to be like, oh man, I really hope they make another one. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying if they make the other, if they make the nice guys too, I'll go see it, right. but I'm not clamoring for it. It's not like Thor Ragnarok or whatever the fuck the next Marvel movie, Dr. You're Strange. You're clamoring for that? <laughs> Actually, I kind of am in a weird way. Right. And again, great director, Right. Which, what are we talking about this or uh, Thor. Thor? Thor, right? And it's what's going to sort of kickstart the uh, the. We uh, spend an inordinate amount of time talking about the Marvel universe. Isn't it funny <laughs> how important that is to everyone? Um, but no, it, it's it's the kickoff of the whole Infinity War thing. And Ragnarok is one of my favorite Thor stories. It actually, it's again what you say. It has con. It's an actual consequence story. Right. And I love the fact that they're putting the Hulk in it because that. It's going to put a whole twist. I've never seen this character, these two characters alone, really, other than when they're punching each other in the face. Regardless. Okay, back uh, away from the Marvel Universe for a second. Did I don't, you know, see I don't know how to do that. Did you see Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Oh, forever ago. Uh, I see. I, knew, I I didn't watch that movie, and I feel like I feel like perhaps my enjoyment of this film might have been more if I'd seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, because I hear it's very it's it's very familiar territory to, to, to this film. Sure. I uh, mean, yeah. Maybe I don't yeah. know. It could have primed you. Primed me for the kind of experience this would be. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Um. Something I really liked. Uh, let's just sort of uh, talk about a little bit more technical aspects of it. Like the the beginning of it. There's there's a really or it, it throughout. Uh, this the, is this is just me, but I really didn't like the font and the motion graphics at the beginning. I just I'm just putting that out. That's there fine. Cause, cause I didn't I'm, think of that I, one way or the other. Yeah, because I'm just that guy. But I was like, I don't. Like one that. thing I liked is some of the, some of the video treatment that they did when they were looking at footage and it slowly turned into what the actual movie was. That was some of the cleanest, like what old stuff looks like into new. Like the transition of the sort yeah. of two types of visual looks always worked. Like it worked really well for me. Uh, little things like that. I thought yeah. that I wasn't a huge fan of the font. I wasn't a huge fan <laughs> of the, you know, whatever, but it's, no, no, I'm no, I agree that that stuff was done pretty well, but I, I would hope that most people would do that well. Yeah. Digital. God, think about how many people do it shitty though. Like yeah. there's uh, even, Fuck, inside, I don't want to keep doing it, but like some of the movies that I love, I, they, when it cuts back to like footage, even in Civil War, I'll give it that when they're <laughs> clicking through the stuff. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you just popped in the fucking Blu-ray. Like right. make it look like news footage. Mm. Uh, anyway, um, one thing I did want to talk about, and this is more of a Shane Black thing than it is this movie. Yeah. Why does he love Christmas so much? 
This movie isn't sitting Christmas. No, yet. but at the end, when they all get together at that bar, there's Christmas lights outside. Yeah, I, yeah it's one of his things. Right? I like read it. an article, and I think I might have found the answer. Because every for those of you that don't know, most all of his movies either have a Christmas undertone or it will happen at some point in Christmas. And it's just something. Iron Man 3 is a Christmas movie. Right. Like, and... He said something along the lines that his characters are usually sort of unstable loners with very few friends, and he really likes the juxtaposing them in a time of the year uh, that's supposed to be all about family and community. And it kind of, A, makes them feel more alone, and B, makes them uh, eventually, when they kind of find uh, uh, a community, for lack of a better word, like it's stronger. But here it just feels like, (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, and but you know what though? It might still work with that mo because it's at the end of the movie, and now they're partners, and like it's Christmas time, so they're coming together. I don't know. I just find it weird when a filmmaker will always do an arbitrary thing across any genre of film that he makes, he or she. You mean like act like an auteur? Yeah, like that's his thing. <laughs> that's, that's a weird thing to you. Like no, but like. I, I, it kind of is even going to Raimi putting his fucking car in every damn movie. Like yeah, it's yeah. fun. I like that. I, I, I just, I think it's silly and I, I don't know. I just, I think, you know, the other thing about Shane Black that I find interesting is he is obviously um, a throwback to the kind of action cinema that we used to talk, you know, that used to be the staple of the eighties and the nineties. Sure. Um, you know, even the, the, the music in this movie, which I didn't particularly like, I liked it. Um, soundtrack was fucking hot. No, no, not the soundtrack, but the actual fire. score. This, I like the soundtrack. Oh, I don't remember the score. The score is very much like the twangy. We're in the seventies, but you know, kind of thing. And it was oh, like, yes, I like and, it. and it was kind of porny. Like, yeah. And you remember, uh, the guitar riff from lethal weapon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 you know, it kind of felt a little bit like that. And it, I guess the thing that it got me thinking about was, you know, there was a time when Shane Black was the highest paid screenwriter in Hollywood, like next to Joe Isterhaus. Yeah, I think he received it was uh, it was the Long Kiss Goodnight, the film that uh, Gina Davis uh, ended up being in, uh, which was not a very good movie, mm-hmm. uh, sold for something like four million dollars or something like that. So he was like the king of Hollywood for sure. a little while. Um, and, and now we're, and, and you know, and like an actor like Russell Crowe would have been the king of Hollywood had he existed maybe one decade earlier. Right. Um, so in a weird way, this film feels slightly, not just literally the, the story is set in the 1970s, but the film also feels out of time. Like it feels like it's not in the world. It's not in the world we live in today, which is about, um, story more than charisma. You know, like I, I, it just there's something there's something interesting about the way in which this film feels like it's a throwback, literally and and metaphorically as well. Okay, you know, uh, I think that's kind of that that could be an interesting way to view the film. Sure. Um, I, again, I don't think it's a it. it Maybe I'm happy that we don't live in this area. Anymore. You can also, as this movie even taught us with its characters, you can bumble into greatness. Like you can make a great point like that yeah. accidentally through. <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. so, even if that wasn't on purpose, yeah, you could have you could have <laughs> tripped your way into meaning more. Like so, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if if uh, Shane Black was thinking that because he he does throw a lot at you in mm-hmm. this movie. There's a lot going on. Yes, I would give it that. You know, totally. And and you know like there's there's certainly still a sense of craftsmanship to this film. This isn't like um, a poorly made film. No, or, I think it's. I mean, everything it, played yeah. very well for me. Yeah, it's just to me, it just doesn't you know like elevate beyond kind of like meh, meh, you know, 
Yeah, I hate the word meh. Mm. It's a meh. M-E-H yeah. is probably the most painful thing someone could say about a thing. Because it means, it means to me, like, you're not even worth hating in a weird way. And I think this movie's much better than that. Mm. I think it, it, it warrants a watch. Mm. It doesn't warrant more than, say, an hour-long conversation with your two favorite film critics. <laughs> um, and it's just sort of a, I don't know, I just, I, I go back to fun, man. And I, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> See, hard, but... I, I just, yeah, the, I knew, I kind of knew you were going to bring up fun a lot. And I do think we had, at some point, you and I need to define what fun is. We I can th- do it right now. We got five minutes. Because I think my definition of fun is very different to your definition. What's your definition of fun? My definition of fun is actual fun. Like, I think the Big Lebowski is actual fun. Okay, see, now, I think, I ladies think, and gentlemen, you're noticing uh, a debate king using the word he's defining in the definition. <laughs> no, I, I do think, like, when I, when I, I think actual fun, as in movies that are actually playing to an audience intelligently and, and generating a response. Now, I don't find personally people punching each other for a long period of time, actual fun. But I do find when Mad Max does it, for example, the punching has meaning behind it and people are are doing exhilarating things in the name of a good story. That to me is fun. Things like, like the Marvel movies where we just, we just get inundated with things blowing up all the time. Doesn't strike me as fun. It's it, it strikes me as tiresome. And I think it strikes you as tiresome because I'm not going to say you have a bias at this point, but... Against the Marvel movies? Yeah. I, I liked Civil War. I, I was willing to buy into Civil I know. War. I'm willing to give every movie the benefit of the doubt. But I, I do think that the whole fun conversation is interesting because the first thing you went to is like, when something is presented to be an intelligent, informal something, blah, blah, blah. It was very like, it was a very clinical... You defined fun in the most clinical doctor's office sort of way, which is fine, and I get right. that's how your brain works. No, no, but that's also how we've been asked to, to, to clarify our points here. Do you want me just to say, oh, well, fun is fun is when I laugh? No, 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 but the interesting <laughs> thing like i wouldn't let, let me see if i can do it because i i haven't thought about what the sort of definition of fun would be but just off the top of my head it would be something different from yours mine is that feeling i get like inside my gut or whatever when i'm just like sitting there and and actually feeling the emotion of enjoyment and being like wow like this is something that i I am not getting elsewhere currently in my life at this moment. And this one thing, let's say the nice guys in that particular moment is making me feel good. And I'm, I'm enjoying the time I'm having. And I look, if I really wanted to, this is something interesting. I think I could hate this movie, right? If I really wanted to, (laughs) I could break it down because I'm a neurotic motherfucker that could just take all the parts and break it into garbage and make it feel like a piece of shit for me. But I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. And I think the general populace wouldn't either. I think they could just go and have a really good time at the movies. It's interesting because I think there's a there's a parameter to what you've just said, which is temporal, which is that. A hundred percent. It gives me fun at this particular moment. A hundred percent. We've talked about this too. I don't think fun, I don't think film or any medium has to have a lasting, something isn't beautiful because it lasts. Right. Where, whereas, so for example, for me, if we're going to use the Marvel movies again and again, oh, it's please. like, like repeating the same story over and over again loses it. Like I find Iron Man one to be a lot of fun. Right. First one. Yeah. The first one is a lot of fun. And when I saw it, I was like, wow, I haven't seen this before. This is really cool. Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying myself. By the time I've seen it by, for the second, third, fourth, 
fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth time, I'm like, well, you're just kind of doing the same thing over and over again, and I'm not really enjoying myself. The first, the only one of the Iron Mans that actually did, uh, in my opinion, was felt like a redundancy is two. And two suffers from the same thing that Ultron did, which feels like a redundancy. <laughs> Let's not get into details here. Let's just talk about the, the, the specifics of what I'm saying. I, I, think, I think the problem you're describing in the MCU is much smaller than you actually think it is. I don't think they're all the same. I think two or three of them out of the 13 are the same. And I, and that's fine. I don't care. Right. But I, I do think what I agree with your temporal thing. I don't need something to last in order for me to enjoy it. Right. I, to, to have fun in the moment. Whereas I think I have the memory of an elephant. Which is that I, I do remember, okay, you've done this before. I need to see something new. I need to see something that actually has resonance for me in order for me to enjoy it. And I can always get by sort of the moments like that. Like, I enjoy Iron Man 2, but I enjoy it because now I see more of Nick Fury and, Nick Fury and uh, you know, Black Widow and characters that I like. And I get to see uh, Sam Rockwell be a fucking amazing character actor. Like, I just, I, there's things that I can take. And especially from this film, I can take, if, if this film was a boat, if Nice Guys was a boat... <laughs> It's full of holes. Right. It's full of holes. But using my imagination spackle yeah. and, and things and bailout bucket, I still can get to where I'm going. The, the shores of a good time. Right. It's funny how we've like moved away from the film. You know? Because it brings up it brings up a bigger and we have to wrap this up yeah. and we'll give our final thoughts. But the it, it brings up a sort of bigger thing, especially going back to the article at the beginning of this thing. Like what everyone has an opinion about what a movie should be. Right. I feel like my opinion of what a movie should be is incredibly broad. Right. I, I do because I think it, there's a space for everything. Um, that's not to say I'm going to like everything, but I just, I just think when, when we get to the point of complaining that, oh, all these movies always do that and blah, then it's like, well, fucking either get on board or stop watching. Like, because <laughs> there's, more, there's more movies to see. Right. Uh, I don't know. And I, I actually do think that's a valid point, which is that... It, but the problem is, is that these movies are movies, particularly like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which demand uh, attention. But I don't think they're actually rewarding our attention. I think they are. Yeah, yeah I, 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 we can. Yeah, whatever. yeah, but but I get uh, what you're saying. Yeah. I do. I just disagree with it entirely. Right. But we should, let's, let's give us, do you want to do final thoughts first or do you want me to do final? Th I mean, cause I think I've made my mind. Mine, I think we've quick. actually both made our points about the, about the nice guys, which is, I think it's not a terrible time at the movies. It is not a terrible time at the movies. I, it was funny though, is I spoke, I spoke to a couple of people who out, who walked uh, out of the movies and I should, we should go back to the thing where we record their, their were you opinions. in a, were you in a trench coat? And like, <laughs> no, was just, there was just like a couple of people talking about the movies and they were, and they were kind of generally like, eh, you know, like, eh. Should I spend my money here? I don't know. You know, like it was just, it was, it just, it killed some time. And I, I, to me, time is precious. And I, you know, like if I, if I had all the time in the world, would I watch this movie? Maybe. If I don't have much time, yeah, I think there are a bit of things you could do with your time. But it's not a terrible time at the movies. It's not the worst thing you're going to see. It's not a bad movie by any stretch of imagination. In fact, the, the chemistry between Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe is great. Yeah. And, and the thing that I like is that, this movie, oddly, <laughs> I was like trying to think how to word this appropriately without ever getting into body shaming, but like, oh wow, you know, no, like, do this. No, this I, is gonna I, go great. Yeah, no, this is gonna go wrong. Is it? But like, it reminds you that Russell Crowe is a leading man. You know, like Russell Crowe has presence and charisma, even when. Why is that body shaming? Well, even when he doesn't have the 
the physical attributes of he was a, a big man. dude. He looked like a, he looked like he was he was a big he was a leading guy. What I don't do you, do you think he kind of he reminded me he reminds me of like Marlon Brando at you know like the towards the later stage of his career. Oh wow, really? Yeah, like not you know like I. I, and I don't even want to. I'm sorry, Shahir. I guess I don't notice those sort of things. <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to get into a body shaming thing. But I'm just saying, like, he's. You know, so, like, so tweet at Shahir, hashtag dad bod. Yeah, I know. And like, uh, if anyone looked at my bod at this moment, <laughs> they would like, be like, shut the fuck up, Shahir. No, no. It's a, I, you know, like, he is a. He just has this, like, it's a. What, it, what was cool about it is it's like 20 years since L.A. Confidential. Sure. And he has the same presence that he had in yeah. L.A. Confidential, which 100%. I kind of liked. You know, like he was the in L.A. And, and it's it's Brando in both cases. You know, it's like it's this sense of but presence not, on screen. Not Island of Dr. Monroe. <laughs> Not quite Island of Dr. Moreau, although everyone should check out that documentary that's on Netflix yeah, right now I'd about like the making of Island of Dr. Moreau. It's and amazing. I'll, and I'll just say at the end of the day, I think, uh, yeah, could you be doing something better with your time? Sure. But, uh, and this isn't an insult to anybody. This is just how humans are. I bet you you're not. Right. So go like, yeah, you could be going to medical school and learning how to save a fucking life, but you're not, you're going to go to the movies and it's a fun movie and I think you should see it. And it does have problems. This is not me wiping the slate clean. I just think it's it's uh, it's positives uh, outweigh its negatives enough where I could give you my honest opinion that I think it's worth your time and money. Um, but yeah, this has been the only podcast about the nice guys. Actually, a film Shahir that's getting a 90 something on Rotten Tomatoes. Just putting that out there. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I really? do. Yeah, really? it's fun. But that's not the point. We did our thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's the it's the equivalent of Captain America Civil War on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Do you, cool. Do you buy that? I mean, I like Civil War better, but that's just my world. Shahir, where can people find you? <laughs> people can find me on the internet bitching about body shaming and being a general douchebag at my website at www.shahirdaud.com. S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D. You'll see my Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff there. You can also reach out to us, the nice guys, on the only podcast about movies at onlymoviepodcast at gmail. Write to us. Tell us what you think. Tell us how wrong we are or how right we are. Uh, write us a review on iTunes or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. Uh, also, check out our ongoing feuds on the Facebook page. That's right. And you can find me talking sheer off apparent ledges at <laughs> M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L dot com. for this shit. Yeah, right? <laughs> Emperor MSK on Twitter and uh, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z. On the Instagrams. Now, Shakira, I was going to end with like a 70s song. We started with one. I'm not going to do it. You know what I'm going to end with? Because it, it makes sense. Because poor Misty Mountains gets, oh, really? gets the shaft. No pun intended. Uh, she dies so early. So I'm going to end with the Misty Mountains call from uh, from The Hobbit. Oh, God. <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, God. I thought you should go with a lethal whip. And nope. No. Nope. Right, Get ready to be taken to a magical place, Shakira. Oh.